Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you're stepping away from your radio to head into work or for any other reason, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. All you got to do is go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, and you can download and subscribe to Detroit Today. You can take us with you. And listen when you are ready. A little later on the show, we're going to talk to the head of the University Musical Society at the University of Michigan about a new set of performances that are designed to inspire conversation on tough topics. These are performances that take some real risks in the way they present uh, ideas and issues, and the sort of staging for some of them is pretty controversial as well. We'll hear from Matthew Van Beesian, who is the director of the president of the University Musical Society, uh, about those performances and what they hope to inspire in terms of conversation and dialogue. But first, we're going to talk about Fake news. If we've heard that term once, we have heard it a thousand times over the past few years. President Donald Trump really latched on to this phrase for anything he finds displeasing in the media while he was a candidate in 2016. Now, Everything is fake news, according to him. The investigation into Russian collusion or obstruction of justice from the Trump administration, it's fake news. Numerous women coming forward to say Donald Trump sexually assaulted them, that's fake news too. A book written detailing everyone surrounding Trump finding him to be sort of incompetent and at worst a child, that's fake news. Trump's use of the phrase isn't about whether or not something has merit or significance, but has been used by the president and now many other politicians to be dismissive of well-reported stories that they just find to be distasteful or uncomfortable. Here's the president reacting to questions last week from the press pool about a report from the New York Times that he had intended to fire special investigator Robert Mueller. Fake news, folks. Fake news. Typical New York Times fake stories. Fake news. Fake news, folks. Typical New York Times fake stories. We're going to spend the first part of the hour today talking about how the phrase fake news became weaponized in our political culture designed to discredit stories that politicians dislike, regardless of the story's actual veracity and importance. And we also want to talk about what fake news really is. One of the things that's sort of interesting about the use of this term, I think, is that it coincides with the rise of actual disinformation uh, that is being put out, particularly on social media, which is a very easy platform to spread that kind of disinformation. Uh, Things that are really fake news, going out, getting reported, getting picked up and shared, this sort of coincides with uh, this push from the president and his allies to label actual news as fake news. Uh, And here to help us dissect all of that is the perfect person for this conversation. Lee Wilkins is the professor and chair of the Department of Communications at Wayne State University. Lee, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for asking me. Absolutely. Uh, And of course, we want to hear from you, the listeners, about what you think about this idea of fake news. When you hear that term, what pops into your mind? Is it 
the president's invocation of that phrase as a way to discredit anything that's critical of him? Or is it uh, the stories and things that we see that are actually fake on things like Facebook or on Twitter, things that are put out there as a way to misdirect us in our search for information? And the truth. Think of the 2016 presidential campaign, for instance. How much fake news did the Russians uh, make sure that we saw, particularly here in the state of Michigan, one of the states where the election was very close and uh, people felt like they could sway that election toward Donald Trump with fake stories? The Russians apparently uh, paid a lot of money to get those stories out there here for people in southeast Michigan. Is that what pops into your mind when fake news gets uh, gets invoked. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. So, Lee Wilkins, I want to first uh, get you to, to, to talk about President Trump's use of this word, which, I mean, of course, it, it is very bothersome to me the way he uses it, how frequently he uses it. But more bothersome is how effective I feel like it is that, that for his supporters, for his followers, this is a very handy shorthand for saying, I just don't want to hear anything that I, that I disagree with. Uh, and, and the power that I think... Uh, he has amassed behind his administration, behind his agenda with this term. I can't think of another I can't think of another politician in another time who who so easily came up with something, you know, a two word phrase that uh, allowed him or her to manipulate uh, the political conversation quite quite this much. Thanks, Stephen. I think one of the things that we have going on is you do have this two-word phrase, which when Donald Trump and some other politicians uses it in earlier eras, we would have just said, oh, that's a denial or Mm -hmm. that's a non-denial denial. Mm -hmm. That's the phrase that, that came out of Watergate. But we know a little bit more in the academy than we did during the Watergate era. So one of the things we know is that when people hear that phrase, they process it very differently. And they process it sort of in a fast route processing, the part of our processing that is more emotional, the part of our processing that doesn't say, hey, let's take some time to think this one through a bit. And so it has a wonderful way of short-circuiting not just uh, journalism but also a skeptical, rightly skeptical audience about what it is that every public official, not just President Trump, but everyone, um, but everyone is saying. And and when he does this and when he when he does it, I, I mean, I think it's almost always specifically for that part of his audience that that does not want to to think about. Uh, what the detractions to to his presidency might be. Uh, I mean, it is it is inherently manipulative. But 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 talk about sort of put this in some context. Uh, again, have we seen another president be able to manipulate the news cycle uh, the way he does with this phrase to manipulate the the impressions of him among his supporters the way. He does. I mean, this is tremendously effective. Is is I guess what I'm what I'm noticing. 
it's effective, but there's a history to it. And it starts, interestingly enough, with Senator Joe McCarthy, mm-hmm. who in the I was going to I was going to say in the late 1940s in West Virginia, held up a piece of paper and said to his audience, which was then covered only by newspaper journalists, I have here a list of 206 members of the State Department who are members of the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. Only problem, that piece of paper was blank. <laughs> and so this but journalists reported his statement without verifying it, without fact-checking it. And that's bad on us, but that was the way things were done 50 years ago. So there is a history here. There is a history of politicians of both parties making fairly outrageous claims, and then it takes us journalists a while to scramble and fact-check. And some things are easier to fact-check than others. Yeah. And and so then let's talk about the flip side of this dynamic, which is that I, I also feel like we're seeing more actual fake news than we were just a few years ago. I mean, the 2016 campaign, presidential campaign, I think uh, one of the things that it that it sort of uh, flamed was this idea that you can put things out there that aren't true and they won't necessarily be, be cast in that light, that, that a lot of people will just believe them. So that gets back to your original intro, Stephen, about what's part of the culture. Mm -hmm. We know because Facebook has given us information, because Twitter has given us information, that in 2015 and 2016, there were, we we call them colloquially troll farms, Mm -hmm. but there were actually people whose job it was to get on the internet in the morning and to develop fake news stories, which they then sent to robot Facebook accounts, which were then picked up by other people. According to Facebook, about 126 million Americans, so most of the people who are listening to me mm-hmm. uh, as, as I talk this morning, got at least one or more st- fake news stories on their Facebook accounts. Fake news found its way into the New York Times, into the Washington Post, onto NBC. So not only was it a lot, there a lot of it coming from a lot of different places, but it came so fast and in such quantity that was very hard for real journalists Mm -hmm. to actually check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Uh, lots of folks lined up already to take part in this discussion. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there. Go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Sometimes that's a quicker way to get your comments onto the air here on Detroit Today. Let's go to Linda in Marlette. Linda, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Uh huh. Go ahead. What she just said, that is a journalist's job to make sure that their story is accurate, is it not? Sure. Well, that's why you have no credibility at all, any of you, because nobody can trust anything that comes out of your mouth. All you do is go after Trump for all these bad things, and most of them are fake. You have no inkling of any proof of this Russia collusion, which we are all so sick of hearing about. Nobody says anything about how well the economy is doing. Nobody's saying anything about how low the unemployment rate is. Nobody's saying how wonderful the stock market is. It's like pulling teeth to get you guys to say something positive about him. Hmm. Nobody believes any of you anymore. Uh, Linda, I mean, and I... Of course, Hillary was going to win in a landslide. 
let's not forget that one. You guys were pushing that one, so thinking people won't even bother to go out and vote then because Hillary was going to win. Well, we showed up. So, so Linda, let me ask you a question. Uh, how do you how do you discern the difference between real news and fake news? What are the things that you that you turn to? What are the sources that you look to to get the information that you have uh, about what you say is the, is the truth? Where are you hearing, I for instance? Go yeah, go ahead. Pardon? If I so, find something on Facebook that sounds funny, I will go look. I'll make sure that there's at least two or three other people saying this, sources saying this, not people on Facebook, uh-huh. but an actual article somewhere. Right. So, people, so people do that because you'll see on posts, oh, that's fake, oh, that's fake, because people do look and do some research right. more so than a journalist does. So, so let me ask you this: uh, uh, the stock market, the unemployment rate. These are things that I read all the time in the Wall Street Journal, in the New York Times, in the Washington Post. These are things I see on Facebook. If you listen to public radio as you are now, for instance, you can hear a lot of news about those things. Uh, Marketplace, which is a, sh- a show we run here on WDET, uh, talks about the economy all the time. So, so I guess are, are you not seeing those things, or do you not uh, do you not believe that we're covering them? Just to get your what what the liberals are saying, and it's disgraceful. It is absolutely disgraceful. I hear very little, nothing positive on this station. Okay, you, you don't hear anything on Sunday. That's just out you, of her, she's out of her mind. You don't hear anything. Said. You don't hear anything about the economy on NPR. Not when I've been listening. I okay. listen to you going to work, which is an hour over an hour drive, and coming home. And I'm on my way home now. <laughs> okay. Well, I I absolutely appreciate the call and and your comments. I think there's some validity to what you're saying about how difficult it is to to you know to discern the truth. Uh, out there in terms of information. I may not agree with your assessment of the job that we're doing, uh, either here at NPR or as journalists generally, but but I appreciate your listening and I appreciate the, conver- the conversation uh, points that you're, you're raising there. Uh, Lee Wilkins, I mean, Linda is, I think, a pretty common, uh, is expressing some pretty common opinions that, that people have about us in the media. And that's one of the problems is that... Um, you know, uh, people believe that the media are complicit in this idea of fake news, that we're doing it either intentionally or out of laziness. I think that you're right, Stephen. Lindy is is a really great example of sort of the headwinds, I think, that this whole thing has created, in part because Linda has um, a worldview that she wants to maintain and she believes that she has facts that substantiate that worldview. And one of the things that happens to all of us, not just Linda, is that when you get a fact that runs counter to your worldview, you have to do a lot of mental work to either incorporate that and change your worldview, or what most of us do most of the time is we say, you know what, that fact doesn't work with the world as I know it, and we reject it. Mm -hmm. That's, That's not... 
that's just the way human beings process information. Yeah. And there's a lot of scholarship that's, that validates that. It doesn't. It isn't just about politics. It can be about what your favorite movie is mm-hmm. or fashion. Mm-hmm. Okay. There, there's, there's infra, there are studies about all of these things. So one of the problems that journalists have is how do you provide people who have a worldview that is well-shaped for them, it's served them in their lives with information that might disrupt that worldview and do it in a way that it can be taken seriously and in a way that allows people to say, well, you know, I hadn't thought about it that way before, or this might lead to me changing my opinion about this. The other thing that Linda said I thought was interesting is she said, well, I check and look at articles. Mm -hmm. There's lots of articles out there that are retweeted, reshared, in the echo chamber that really genuinely are fake. So I point out to the one that's gotten, I think, the most news coverage, which was Pizzagate, where Mm -hmm. due to a fake news story, a gentleman grabbed his rifle and went to Washington because he was convinced, based on the news that he was getting on his Facebook page, that there was a sex ring being run out of a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. So Again, it's not just the article. It's not, you know, it is the source more often than not. But it's also looking around and saying, if this agrees so much with what I already think, maybe that's the problem. And and that's a much tougher thing to get a handle on. And and this seems to be something that that, uh, affects people on both sides of the political spectrum. And it seems to be uh, stronger the, the, the further out you go on either side of that spectrum, far right, far left. Uh, These are the people who are the hardest to convince with fact and evidence that there, you know, that there may be another way of of seeing things or, or of thinking. And I think that, it, yes, it, it's further out, but I think all of us have in this, all of us, let me define who us is, we journalists have in the wake of all of this, looked at our own information bubbles. And I too have my favorite sources and they match in many ways the ones that you just named. It takes time and effort for me to say, I may not like it, I may not agree with it, but I need to see what Fox News is saying about this at this particular time. And that's a change in my behavior that I would hope is reflective of not just other journalists, but of my listeners and readers and viewers who look at and say, well, I'm going to go out and find what the people that I think might not agree with me are saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, Linda, appreciate you listening. Appreciate uh, you calling in to the show. Let's go to Victor in Detroit. Victor, welcome to Detroit today. Hey there. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'll just make my comment brief and quick about this fake news, Mm -hmm. you know, issue that you're speaking on this morning. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I believe there's fake news out here or out there now more than ever before, but I don't believe for one second that all news is fake news. And I also believe that our president is just using this issue like for his advantage, Mm -hmm. because why does he just get and still, why does he jump up in front of cameras and microphones at every opportunity? And that's the news just to bash the news, just to cover up and to distract and to throw off 
the issues that the news media, which is the defender of truth, uh, just just imagine if it was no news in America, politicians like Donald Trump would be able to just have people brainwashed and take us back to the days <laughs> before the civil rights era. Sure. And and I'll bet a million dollars that he gets charged with obstruction of justice. I don't know if they're going to kick him out of the White House. I don't know if he's going to have to resign. But there is some truth to what they're speaking on because. Because why do you want to just sit on your toilet stool at six o'clock in the morning tweeting out to the world or to your base every day when you can't stand in front of the cameras and hold a genuine conversation right. and communicate with the American people for two minutes without using juvenile language? Yeah, Victor, Victor, I, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. And I'm not sure if I appreciate, but I certainly can relate to the image that you invoke there of the the president uh, tweeting while he's doing some other other things. I don't think you're the only one who believes that's what's going on with him. Uh, but but as Victor points out, this is you know this is something that that politicians have done for a very long time. I mean, I continue to believe that that Donald Trump is changing the game as it as it relates to politicians. That that the the effectiveness, uh, the pointed way in which he does these things. The, uh, the the response that he gets from his base is sending politics, all of it, in a different direction than it has been uh, going in, in recent decades. It's sending politics in a different direction, but I think we may have already been headed there a little bit anyway. I want to inject a couple of things into the conversation just because just so people will be aware of them. Much of the fake news, especially that was generated outside the United States, but some of it was generated inside the United States, was done for one reason and one reason only. That wasn't to convince you. It was pure old fashioned greed. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best reported ones has been about a young man in Macedonia who got up in the morning and for 40 hours a week generated fake news. He earned $60,000 a year, which in his little tiny city was was more than his parents had wow. earned for years. So when the New York Times actually interviewed him and said, why are you doing this? He said, because I can make money this way, because for me, it's a better life. And I think that too often we we sort of say, oh, it's to take advantage of me politically or socially or whatever it is. Yes, there's an element of that in it. But a great deal of it is just about money making. Yeah. It's about your uh, your business model, which is one of the reasons that I think Facebook has been so slow to react because they don't want to do anything that messes with their business model and hiring human beings to actually curate some of this stuff would mess with their business model big time. Wow. So I think this explains not just why fake news happens, but why we as a country, we as an organization, why uh, social media sites like Facebook, like Twitter, have been so slow to respond. It's maybe it's about politics, but before that is the way I think about it is about dollars yeah. and profits. Okay, when we come back, we are going to continue our conversation about the weaponizing of words at the Trump White House, and we'll talk about President Trump's first State of the Union speech scheduled for tomorrow. Will he talk about fake news in the Hall of Congress? Stay with us on Detroit Today.
news, music, culture, and community every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the phrase fake news, which we have heard many, many, many times in the era of Donald Trump. It's something he uses to discredit anything that criticizes him or his White House. At the same time, it is a phenomenon that we are seeing more and more of, especially on social media, people intentionally putting out falsehoods, disinformation about things to try to influence politics or culture. What do you think about fake news? What do you think about the effect it's having on politics and on culture? How is it changing our ability to have meaningful discussions about important policy issues? How is it changing the way we think through Uh, information and whether it's true, whether uh, something out there is being put out there to mislead us. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And with us to talk about this issue is Lee Wilkins. She is a professor and chair of the Department of Communications at Wayne State University. Let's go back to the phones here. Uh, let's go to Derek in Detroit. Derek, hey, good welcome morning, to Detroit uh, people. How are you all today? Sure, how are you? I'm all right. I just wanted to point out something. Um, not only did he coin the words, the phrase fake news, he started it, if you remember, when he began that birther mess about uh, President Obama's birth certificate. Mm-hmm. He's creative of that. And um, so it's funny that he would call everything this truth or something he disagrees with fake news. <laughs> and then right. one more thing, if I may. Sure, go ahead. Um, to the very first caller, when she mentions the budget and the unemployment rate, we're still running on President Obama's budget, not Donald Trump's budget. Great so point. She, yeah, so that's they need to know know that he's taking credit for something that's the result of what the former president did. Yeah, uh, that's one of the that's one of the things I see people arguing about quite a bit uh, on social media and other places. Who who deserves credit for uh, the economy's continued uh, success? And and I think uh, depending on who you ask, uh, you know who they support, they'll either credit uh, President Obama or. Donald Trump. I mean, I think there's no question that uh, the the carryover from the last eight years of rebound and growth absolutely uh, explains at least part of what we're seeing. Uh, but Derek, I appreciate. Uh, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, let's go to Jessica. Jessica and Wyandot. Welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Um, I guess I just had a question uh, at the top of the show. You know, you're telling us that there are organizations that are actively, you know, creating fake news for us to consume, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as people who enjoy news. But then at the same time, uh, your your guest is saying that um, we're only believing what we want to believe based on our own opinions because of our human nature. So I guess I'm wondering, you know, is it the fake news that, you know, there's real fake news or is it our brain that's telling us it's fake news? Um, (laughs) And I guess I also had a question about 
what do you do as a journalist when you have, you know, actual proof that, you know, let's say the president has done something, you know, he tweets something or he makes a comment and then he just blatantly denies it and says, no, that never happened. Like, you know, how do you how do you keep your integrity as journalists when he's doing things like that? Great, great questions, uh, Jessica. Uh, thanks very much for the call. Lee Wilkins, I'll let you have her first crack at answering uh, Jessica there. So, t- Jessica, to your first question, the answer is yes to both of those things. It's our human nature, but it's also the amount of fake news. Last year, late in the year, uh, Oxford University published a study that looked at the amount of fake news that was targeted at the three states that gave uh, President Trump his margin in the Electoral College. In Michigan specifically, there was more fake news shared the last two weeks of the election than there was actual legitimate news shared. That gives you some sense of the overwhelming amount of information that there was out there and the very hard work that all of us would have had to do to separate uh, what's fake from from what isn't. I mean, it would have required us going through things on Facebook feeds and whatever, you know, item by item by item, uh, time consuming, intellectually uh, rigorous, and and most of us didn't most of us didn't do it, or at least I think most of us didn't do it. As to your uh, your second question about what do journalists do, I think you're seeing a lot of it uh, on television. You play the comment that President Trump said, and then you play what he said two months ago, mm-hmm. and you butt those things up right against each other. And then you do what we're taught to do as journalists and what I believe is the ethical thing to do. You say, you, viewer, you, listener, you, reader, you decide which of these comments it is that you want to believe. The problem with that is that it's time intensive. We can't respond instantly because we have to go back and do that research. And so what that means is a lot of people hear the fake news. Fewer people hear the journalistic response to that. And that's what gives the original comment its legs. Well, and and one of the things that's most interesting about this presidency, I think, is the frequency with which we're asked to do that. I mean, this is somebody who is very comfortable doing one thing on Monday, coming back on Wednesday and saying, well, I never did that, or I never said that. Uh, th- this idea of gaslighting, I guess, is what people are calling it, the, these sort of very blatant falsehoods told in the face of you know incredible evidence that, that, that it is a falsehood. Uh, this White House has mastered that as well, not just the president, but his press secretaries uh, are, are, are constantly telling us things that aren't true. And so that makes it even harder, I think, first to correct it, but to just sort of deal with it. I mean, it's almost like drinking from a fire hose of lies. One of the things this may make some listeners uncomfortable, but I'm going to bring it up as a parallel anyway, is the notion that if you tell a lie loud enough, long enough, often enough, that lie will become believed. Mm -hmm. The person who gave us that aphorism is Goebbels, who was Mm -hmm. the Nazi propaganda minister for Hitler during World War II. I know that it makes people uncomfortable to draw that parallel, but in 20th century and 21st century history, that is where we get that from. Now, that's not to say that it hasn't happened earlier in American history or earlier in human history, but for most of the folks listening to this, you know, if you want to go back to say, where did the idea of the big lie begin, that's that's where it is. And that has 
difficult overtones yes. for many of us. Yes, it does. And, and and I think it's important to note that you can make that comparison between what Goebbels was doing and what the Trump White House is doing without saying that the White House is run by Nazis. I mean, it is not a comparison uh, that that requires us to equate the two. It just requires us to think critically about the similarities between their strategies and tactics. It's a comparison of technique, That's not right. necessarily of intent, not necessarily of core belief. But it is the notion that bad talk can drive out good if there is no space left for the good because the bad talk has taken up so much of the bandwidth. Yes. Uh, again, thanks very much, Jessica, for the the, the call and uh, the questions. Uh, great, great questions there. Let's go to Doug. Doug in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, all. Uh, you know, I'd like to try and take up a space. Maybe that uh, you can't. Certainly, on anyway. Uh, you know, it, it, to your first caller there, Linda. You know, it, I'd like to I'd like to submit that maybe it's. Uh, about an education thing, it's about, like, if you took a child and, and, and a child lives its life reinforced with the idea that maybe it's not capable or it's not very smart, and, you know, it kind of comes out that way. And so if it doesn't get a full education, uh, it, it, so if, in, the, in the end, if you, if you have a person that is uh, willing to take on, like, a label deplorable and then run with it and self-identify with it, and then, and then all the things that come with that, you see, so then when you get someone, uh, you know, with those early morning tweets talking to his face, how do, how do you say? I, I, isn't, it, isn't it just time that the adults kind of stand up and take charge again? Hmm. I think that's what I'd like to say. That'd be my comment. Hmm. Doug, I, hmm. that's a really that's a really interesting comment as well. Uh, I appreciate uh, you calling and and making it. I'm not sure. I guess I'm not sure I would agree 100. percent But I think there's there's something to what uh, you're saying there in terms of. The, the similarities uh, here between terms that are being used uh, and and the reaction to them the idea that the adults need to stand up I'm not sure what that what that really means Lee Wilkins so Doug I want to say to you don't beat up on Linda she's my neighbor and she's your neighbor too we need to hear her and listen to her even if we don't agree I think this is somewhat easier to do to women, which is another thing that I'm going to say here on the air to dismiss. Having said that, critical thinking is something that, at least at the university level, we claim we teach. It's an important skill, and it's a lifelong skill, and it's not always the easiest skill to bring to bear on things that you don't know very much about. So, for example, it's really hard for me to do critical thinking when my doctor says to me, Lee, your cholesterol is too high and you need to take this drug. (laughs) So all of us in all the aspects of our lives need to bring these these sort of skeptical, critical kinds of, of things that we have to bear, and we need to be willing to continue to learn. And, and continue to learn, and as you pointed out at the beginning of that answer, continue to listen. That's one of the things that's become very difficult, and that I think the invocation of the sort of fake news dismissiveness uh, is 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 making more difficult the, the whole idea of being able to listen to people who disagree who are presenting uh, an argument or a case that's different from the way we might think of things uh, the, the term fake news is used 
to to just wipe that out. And I think that's where we get to the sort of cultural uh, dynamic that this is uh, that this is causing, where it becomes more difficult to listen to someone like Linda without judging her and to try to think about what she's saying, why she believes what she's saying, and what the proper response might be. Uh, do you do you agree with that, Lee? Yes, I do. I mean, and and I struggle with this too because I've got certain buttons that you can push, and you don't have to push them very hard. And then there's an emotional reaction to that, and I'm very likely to to dismiss what you say. And I think that if I'm understanding what Doug is saying correctly, he and I may have some of the identical buttons and his buttons got pushed by that comment. And I'm kind of with there. I'm with him on that. But at the same time, I know that if I'm going to make headway as a human being, but also as a journalist, I need to figure out a way through this conversation. I need to figure out a way to continue this conversation, even with somebody who's pushing my buttons in a pretty serious way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments there. Let's go to Suad in Detroit. Suad, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning. Good morning to you and to your guest. Uh, I'm going to jump into the uh, subject. Uh, I, I don't agree that all the news are fake. Um, although the vast uh, majority is okay, but there is a few here and there. Also, the way it is uh, rep- uh, presented to people has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of bias by the people that are reading the news or presenting the news. I, I'm just going to talk about you and uh, <laughs> my friends for a minute. Mm-hmm. Is that you, you can't hide your bias or your liberal bias or your democratic bias. We, we, we can tell right away by the way you present the news. But mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing, although it could be, it could be taken... Uh, <laughs> as, as a bad thing by the other side, you know what I mean? Um, sure. Now, jumping to a different subject real quick, and I'm going to get off the phone. Okay. Is that uh, 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 I'm going to comment on what Linda said early, and uh, that is not important. Why don't you guys focus on the good stuff and this and that? I mean, uh, first of all, the good stuff that is happening, you know, when my son goes to school, does his homework, does this and that, he gets good grades. Now I say, okay, you worked hard for it. President Trump jumping into the office, then taking credit for stuff that has been happening for the past eight years, is absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. Second thing is that uh, as, as a proud American from uh, uh, Arab American, uh, Arab, and I'm a Muslim also, heritage, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've been facing backlash. My people have been facing backlash because of lies that President Trump has told. So that's, uh, a quick example is, is uh, what he said about those, uh, you know, Muslims or whatever, and inverted comments, uh, laughing when 9-11 happened and this and that, jumping. Where was Israelis? I mean, I'm not going to jump into that, the details, but that's what he said. Right. And then we faced the backlash. People, uh, people's lives changed because of that, and it was a total lie. He has not admitted that it was a lie until now. So him shoving things uh, away when people confront him about his lies is not going to get him anywhere, and he's going to get in more trouble. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll hang up and listen offline there, uh, gentlemen. Right. Yeah. And lady, sorry. And uh, lady. <laughs> no. Swad, <laughs> I really, really appreciate uh, your call and your comments and this idea that of calling out this president in in terms of the things that he has said and done that are fake news. Uh, there's not a it's not a short list. Um, okay, Lee Wilkins, professor and chair of the Department of Communications at Wayne State University. 
Thanks for being here on Detroit today. Thank you, Stephen. Absolutely. Up next, we're going to talk to the head of the University Musical Society at the University of Michigan about a new set of performances designed to inspire conversation on tough topics. Stay with us on Detroit Today.